again. This is Tim Friedman, your host of 70s Rock Conversations, along with rock expert Frank Ost. It is the middle of March just about, and we are continuing on with our classic conversations this week. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer John Mellencamp is our featured artist as we head back to the beginning of Season 5. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Season 5 of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, back for another season, as is our rock expert, Frank Ost. Frank, welcome to Season 5. Ah, it's great to be here again. Today, John Mellencamp, John Cougar, Johnny Cougar. Little Johnny Cougar. (laughs) (laughs) All those names we'll be discussing in in just a uh, little while. He's our featured artist today. We're looking forward to a brand new season, aren't we? That's great. Want to get started? Absolutely. Let's do it. Frankie, download Discovery Time. You've got a good one today, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, A song called White Bird by the group It's a Beautiful Day. This gorgeous 1969 song by San Francisco rock group It's a Beautiful Day was written by members David LaFlame and his wife Linda LaFlame. The white bird thing came from spending a winter in uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, As they said, we were caged like birds in that attic. (laughs) We had no money, no transportation, and the weather was miserable. It was quite an experience, but it became very creative uh, in its own way. Uh, The song quickly became the uh, band's signature tune and a staple of FM uh, album-oriented rock radio. The single version was edited and remixed for radio play with a running time of about three minutes and two seconds. It was released and rose to as high as number three in San Francisco, (laughs) Uh, but sadly the single never reached a wide national audience and failed to chart. But you can download the six-minute version and make it a beautiful day. Well, absolutely. <laughs> it uh, did uh, hit that bubbling under portion of Billboard's chart. It reached 118. season of NBC's TV show Night Rider. I didn't know that song was, uh, that uh, show was that cool to have a song like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine also comes from the famous bubbling under portion of the Hot 100. This one peaked at 103. Oh my goodness. Called Whenever You're On My Mind. That's Marshall Crenshaw. You know, power pop. It's straight out of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It could have worked in any, and right now too, it could have worked in any generation. Crowd flash 
sounds a lot like Buddy Holly. Uh, Marshall Crenshaw is featured on the La Bamba soundtrack. That's the right. The Richie Valens story back in, in 87 or 88. It's from the 1983 album called Field Day. Now, Marshall had a lot of pressure put on him by his record company. Warner Brothers said, okay, the first album, which featured Someday, Someway, you probably know that one from summer of 82. Mm-hmm. They wanted a, another follow-up right away. He didn't have a lot of stuff, but he did have this song, Whenever You're On My Mind, in the bank, because he had written it ahead of time and wanted to include it originally on his debut album, but held it back. And it's a good thing he did. This little nugget, little bouncy power pop thing, he said is his favorite song that he wrote to date. Nice. It's only three minutes and 18 seconds long. I think you're really going to like it. it. was released in April of that year. And then, you know, things kind of went the wrong way with him and Warner Brothers. The album didn't perform very well, Field Day. The song, 103, I still don't understand how a song that cool cannot even make it to the top 100. Exactly. Rick Springfield, remember him, Working Class Dog? He came out in 1981 that featured Jesse's Girl. Yep. Not yeah. Don't Talk to Strangers. That was the success hasn't spoiled me yet. You know, he had the dog on the... Yeah, he actually had a fairly decent career. He I did. Mean, Before Noah Drake, the doctor on General Hospital. Surprisingly enough, yeah. Still touring these days. Eric Clapton came out with another ticket in 1981. I don't remember what was on that, but I do remember the name of that album. Yeah, I do too. Van Halen and their debut, Van Halen, 1978. Eat a Peach, Allman Brothers, 1972, the week of February 14th. Moving Pictures by Rush in 81. Uh, a New Life by Marshall Tucker. We're going to be featuring Marshall Tucker Band very soon as part of our Southern Rock, Southern Folk. Yep. And they're going to be one of our, our featured artists coming up. Good band. Ambrosia, we talked about their uh, their, gourd, their wonderful debut album in 1975 mm-hmm. that came out uh, this week. Linda Ronstadt's Mad Love, that was where she started turning a little punk, you know, a little new wave. How do I make you? Something and, a little different, yeah. yeah it was good. I remember that one. And the concert in Central Park, the uh, double-sided album. Or was it Four Sides, the album? I think it was Double Side in 1982. Yeah, that was uh, one of those things that'll go in the time capsule forever. Yeah. You know, what a concert it that was. was. Eagles, Greatest Hits, still one of the, if not the best-selling albums of all time. Exactly. 1976. Boz Skaggs, uh, on the same day, 1976, Silk Degrees came out. Wow. Can you imagine those those two on the same day? Yeah. Boy, the record uh, the record stores must have been having a great old time. Five years earlier, the, <laughs> yes, the Yes album by Yes came out. Mm. Steely Dan's Pretzel, Pretzel Logic, which featured uh, Ricky. 1974. Yep. And George Harrison's uh, self-titled George Harrison album with Blow Away and Love Comes to Everyone that was released in uh, February of 1979. There's a couple right. of good hits on that album. Mm-hmm. It's good to see George back in the in the swing of things then. He had been done with his uh, legal troubles and, and then right. moving on yeah. into the 80s. Top five singles for the week of uh, February 14th, 1968. Chain of Fools. Aretha Franklin. Chain, chain, chain. Yeah, she was kind of just hitting her stride then. Remember John Fred and the Playboy band? Judy in Disguise. With glasses. A little takeoff on uh, Lucy in the Sky, of course. Yeah. Maybe better suited for Halloween than Valentine's Day, the Classics 4, and Spooky. I remember that one. Lemon Pipers. And Green Tambourine. Green Tambourine. As you know, that was recorded in Cleveland at the Cleveland Recording Studio. That's right. Another kind of psychedelic little song. Yep. It was number one the week before. Drop your silver in my tambourine. Help a poor man build a bridge. 
Starting a long stretch, six, seven, eight weeks, the number one would be Paul Moriart, or as they call him in France, Paul Moriart, and Love is Blue. That's right, Love is Blue. The song came Another out of, one of nowhere. Those great instrumentals, yes. Number one album, Magical Mystery Tour. You talked about that before. Yes, I have. And the Beatles, toward the end of its eight week run at the top of the Billboard album chart, that's February 14th, 1968. We'll conclude our top five singles and our number one album next week when we do 1967. Nice. Then we'll start a brand new feature. From the week of August 3rd, 1968, our continuing series, Psychedelic versus Pop. Yours is Vanilla Fudge. You keep me hanging on at number 16 that week. They took the original upbeat tempo of the song and slowed it way down to kind of match the unhappy lyrics of the song. Yep. And amazingly enough, the whole thing was recorded in one take. Whoa, one take? One take. No way. <laughs> and you can probably find it if you're a Mad Men uh, fan like I am. It's on one of the episodes and whenever they go through 1967. I love that song. Either one, but this in this case, I like this one just a little better than the Supremes version. It's, it's such a, a reworking that you almost don't even realize it's the same song. Exactly. And that's kind of, it's kind of neat when they do that. So on August 3rd, 1968, you know we were going through in the summer of 68. Oh my God. End of that hot summer. The Democratic Convention was just about ready to begin, I believe. And all the tragedies that happened that year, yes. Just months earlier. Mm -hmm. So that week, You Keep Me Hanging On was number 16, up from number 47 the week before. It climbed 31 notches, which was not unusual for songs to make a big leap on or off the charts back then. Mine would be number 15 right after that, a future number one, This Guy's In Love With You by Herb Alpert. Wow, what a great song. And the funny thing, of course, about this is that it's not an instrumental. It's the only one he sang.
You see this guy This guy's in love with you Yes, I'm in love Who looks at you the way I do When you smile I can't tell We know each other very well How can I show you I'm glad They say you think I'm fine. Number one's from 68. Honey, Love is Blue. Wow. This guy's in love with you. That accounts for almost a half a year. And in that summer of 68, those were the songs that were during the year that were popular enough to be number one. I think amazing. I think it sounds like we were trying to escape, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 because the Vietnam War was front and center, and of course, uh, we lost Martin Luther King and we lost Bobby Kennedy that yeah. year. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of escapism in some of these songs. This song, and You Keep Me Hanging On, would also be back to back again the following week. Time for our featured artist it's Johnny Cougar, Little Johnny Cougar, John Cougar Mellencamp, John Mellencamp. Maybe even little Johnny Mellon Campunos. had what five different names i think he's hit the charts with five different names if <laughs> uh, if uh, i get it correctly and i think the only one that could c- come close to that's uh, of course john lennon because john. half the time he was under assumed names yeah <laughs> <laughs> or the plastic ono band yeah, or something exactly yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, no matter how you say his name, it spells rock and roll, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Rock and Roll Hall absolutely. of Famer 2008, inducted by Billy Joel, Songwriters Hall of Fame. We've talked how important that is. 2018, the native of Seymour, Indiana, born October 1951. Cites his influences, James Brown, Woody Guthrie, Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan. 
John Fogarty said of John Mellencamp, a great American songwriter, rock and roll to its core. Could not agree more. Absolutely. concert i have not uh and i wish i had along the way and who knows he's not one of the older right elder statesmen so there's still a chance that i could now in his early him. 70s exactly. he's not done yet he's had a heart attack over the years that's true he has he said you know i i remembered coming home and having a steak and french fries and i i thought that was good for me Sure, absolutely. And, and the cigarette smoking didn't do him any good either. You mean that's not good for you? No, I know. <laughs> you imagine. I saw him a couple of times. I saw him open for Michael Stanley at one of those oh. New Year's Eve concerts at uh, Coliseum Homes at Blossom. <laughs> Can you imagine a New Year's Eve at Blossom? I'm not even sure if Nothing Matters and What If yeah. It Did had come out yet. Uh, he probably still had I Need a Lover from the John Cougar album, you know, in Small Paradise. Sure. But...
also saw him at uh, OU, I think, Ohio U. I think he came there and saw him. Maybe I'm getting that mixed up with Billy Joel because to me they're they're a little bit alike, you know. And I'm not surprised that Billy Joel inducted him. As far as their energy on stage, and well, a solo artist, <laughs> absolutely, and some yeah. good rock and roll tunes from the '80s, and maybe that's mm-hmm. as much a comparison I I can make. But I really like John uh, Mellencamp, John Cougar, whatever he wants. You know, country star Keith Urban cred, uh, credits John as his musical influence. Okay, interesting that it wouldn't be, well, you know, Woody Guthrie or uh, Johnny Cash, or Johnny Cash, somebody yeah, like that, somebody like that. 22 top 40 hits. But just wow, one, number that's one. Impressive, yeah. Can you name it? His number one uh, was a Jack and Diane. It was. Okay. 1982. <laughs> Kids growing up in the heartland. Jackie gonna be a football star. Diane's debutante backseat of Jackie's car. Sucking on chili dog outside taste freeze. Diane sitting on Jackie's lap, got his hands between her knees. Jackie say, hey, Diane, let's run off behind the shade of trees. Dribble off those Bobby Brooks, let me do what I please. Say, oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Say, oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone to walk on Thirteen Grammy nominations, he won one. And that was for what? I don't know. Heard so good. Oh. It won for go. Best Rock Vocal Performance at the twenty fifth Grammy Awards. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good song. That was from American Fool. Mm-hmm. Nineteen eighty two. That's really that's what really busted him out. Johnny Cougar and all the you know, he was critical 80s politics. Really? Yeah. Hard to believe. Especially Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Became an early entertainer to speak out against the Iraqi war in 2003. Okay. And not many people were doing that back then. Absolutely but not. he did. That was very, actually, that was a very popular war if there is yeah. such a thing, yes. Here's his discography. It started in 1976 with Chestnut Street Incident. Then a biography, not released in the U.S. due to chestnut sales being so poor, so they put it on the shelf for a while. John Cougar, you know, with I Need a Lover, and uh, that was also on the biography album, by the way, and Small Paradise. Did you know I Need a Lover was covered by Pat Benatar on her debut album in 1980? I remember that, I remember yeah. playing both of them. Exactly. Uh, at different times at the radio station ACRN in Athens. Nothing Matters, What If It Did, that was a really good album. Hot Night in a Cold Town, Ain't Even Done With The Night. One of my favorites was Make Me Feel. That was a little slow number. It hit number 37 in the U.S., so he was starting to pick up some steam.
And then I guess they wanted him to be like a Neil Diamond type of songwriter, and he said, "No, nah, I don't want to do that." So the of course not. You know, Reva Records wanted a Neil Diamond sound. Okay. Neil was still popular back in the early '80s. That's true. But John went to his own thing, came out with American Fool, and they said, "Okay, still needs a hit though. We need a hit." <laughs> and kind of like Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run, he came up with a song called "Hurt So Good." Then Jack and Diane had to hold on to, and he was on his way, wasn't he? He sure was. It seemed uh, back in the 80s he could do no wrong. He could do no wrong, and everything he put out sold. And then just a mm-hmm. year later, American Fool was followed up by Uh-huh. That was number nine in the U.S. Pink House is Crumbling Down, backing vocals by Jay Ferguson on Authority Song. There you go. Then in a year later, came out uh, two years later, excuse me, with Scarecrow, number two in the States, Small Town, Lonely Old Night. All these songs are staples of rock stations and classic hit stations throughout yeah, the country. Yeah. Lonesome Jubilee, Paper and Fire, Cherry Bomb. He added more country and folk flavor to his uh, repertoire. Mm-hmm. 1987. Big Daddy, pop singer, was the number 15 hit for him, the Hot 100. 1991, Whenever We Wanted, featuring the song again tonight. Remember that song, if you went to an Indians game, whenever the Indians won, they would play that game. I absolutely that song. remember that song, yeah. Again tonight, why didn't they play Cleveland Rocks? But I didn't see a lot of losses back in 1994 when Jake first opened. Not, not when it first opened, certainly not.
So that's a song that, uh, a nice little up-tempo thing, you know, you can click your hand or your fingers to it. Human Wheels, the title cut, was number seven in the U.S., the album, 1993. Remember the song Wild Night, the uh, Van Morrison uh, updated version? Absolutely. Featuring, um, I, I can't remember, Michelle, I can't remember, I can't pronounce her last name. some more radio hit friendly tunes mr happy go lucky all these albums did really well this one from 1996 happy go lucky was number nine in the u.s it was his 14th studio album and then the first one released since his heart attack in 1994 he was up to 80 cigarettes a day oh my god prior to that he said the best that i could do was a terrific compliment compilation it came out in november of 1977 funny how greatest hits and Box sets and compilations all come out just in time for the Christmas shopping season. Absolutely. Three-time platinum. And then John Mellencamp, his self-titled album to reflect a rebirth of sorts and a new start on his musical journey came out a year later. So still putting out stuff into the 90s, through the 90s, into the 2000s. Really good in concert. And he's been um, a founding member of Farm Aid. In fact, Farm Aid's still going on. They, you know, he helped found it with Willie Nelson and Neil Young. That's right. Now uh, Dave Matthews has joined the board. Okay. Uh, originally to raise money for family farmers in the United States, the first Farm Aid raised over $9 million for family farmers, and the first concert was held at the University of Illinois and featured dozens and dozens of the biggest names in pop and country including the first ever appearance of Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen shortly after oh, Sammy joined Van Hagar. I gotcha. yeah. They've had one uh, Farm Aid ever since. I didn't know this, but every year they've had a Farm Aid one way or another, I didn't including they had a that. virtual one because of COVID in I, April 2020. Yeah, I did not realize that. Willie Nelson still... took Farm Aid on the road for 16 dates across the country in 1989. Wow.
sorry, the one in 2021 was in September, and it was sold out as usual at Hartford in uh, Connecticut in-person festival, featuring Willa Nelson and family, Dave Matthews, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, and it featured for the first time homegrown concessions, a first-of-its-kind model with family farm-identified local and organic foods. Oh, okay. So they're into that, Great too. Idea. And it's good that Neil and, and Willie and... Uh, John and now Dave Matthews are still fighting the cause of Farm Aid. Well, that's that's amazing that they've stayed with it that long. And, yeah. you know, especially the way things uh, are today when people kind of forget after, you know, a time. Yeah, the bloom is off the rose, exactly. so to speak. $9 million was what the first Farm Aid raised. It's raised over $60 million to assist family farmers in the United States uh, since its inception way back in 1985. Some that's good great. work for John Mellencamp, one of my Favorite performers from the 80s and into the 90s. How about you? Yeah, me too. Love them. A lot of great rock and roll. What can you say? Um, uh, There's been a lot of people that uh, you could uh, say he sounds a little bit like Tom Petty and maybe a little bit like Billy Joel at times, but he's really got his own thing and he's had some of the, really some of the best rock songs of the 80s. Very distinctive voice, Pink Houses Mm -hmm. and, and such cool tunes. And like In Excess, you know, the Australian group we made sure. a, a, a case for for being in the Rock Hall. Oh, absolutely. You were still buying new CDs of theirs into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just like that, I was with um, with Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel when he was he stopped putting out CDs in 1993 with River of Dreams. Right. But Tom Petty, I was buying new CDs, and John Mellencamp all throughout the 90s. I have Human Wheels and a bunch of other stuff from the 90s, too, so... One of the few artists that I was buying fresh CDs when they came exactly. out. Exactly. He lasted well into the 90s, and that's just, you know, it's amazing uh, with what was going on in music at the time that he was still uh, thought to be one of the stars. Frankie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, in fact, not too long ago, John Mellencamp embarked on a nationwide tour. Right now he's out west in Washington State, going to do a few dates in San Francisco and out there. Then Cleveland Playhouse Square in May is going to wrap things up like at the end of June in his home state of Indiana. So that's John Mellencamp, our featured artist this week, as our classic conversations continue. Join us next week as we head back to the 60s and 70s with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. For rock expert Frank Ost, I'm Tim Friedman. We will see you next week.